Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu Campaign Descent into Darkness Season 3. This is Episode 8, and I am Travis. I will be your keeper today. Um, last time, we had a little <laughs> bit of an incident. Before we return to that, let's get an introduction from our investigators. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm playing Detective Jack Glover, currently on suspension, and it's looking like it's going to be a longer suspension. <laughs> <laughs> I got some crimes to cover up. I'm Brandon, I'm playing Dr. Andrews, and I know nothing of what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, unbeknownst to Dr. Andrews, you're, everybody else has gone off the rails, just like they did last season. <laughs> <killing> people and, <laughs> and you're like, how do we figure out how to conquer this gin? <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, I'm Justin playing Lance Monroe, and yeah, I had a little bit of a mental hiccup last it's game. It's all your session. fault. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think it's all of our fault for bringing Larkin in, back into the picture. Hmm. And I'm John playing James Whitmire, who's also playing Lance Monroe. And uh, <laughs> we had a mental hiccup last session. Man, that should have been how we introduced ourselves. Hi, <laughs> I'm Lance Monroe. All right, so yeah, we'll pick up with Whitmire. You're still at the Hermetic Order of the Silver Twilight, and you've been given a directive from Dr. Andrews to locate a body fresh enough that you can harvest the cerebrospinal fluid or maybe even the cerebrospinal fluid itself. Yeah. Now... That was the impression I got, was I don't need to right. just bring him the body. Mm. Yeah, I, body I mean, could be easier to obtain, though. Especially in this town. After all, bodies everywhere, and cerebrospinal fluid on its own would be maybe at specific places. But, uh, yeah, so you can see you guys are up in the library. Dr. Call had clapped Dr. Andrews on the shoulder and uh, said, you know, shall we go downstairs and have a few drinks and he includes you in that, if you wish, Whitmire. What say you? Uh, I don't drink, but uh, you two should definitely go ahead as I'll get to work on uh, getting this fluid that we need. Ah, yes, the cerebrospinal fluid. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ghastly task for you, Whitmire. But I wish you the best of luck. Andrews and I will drink your share, you can be assured. Good man. Uh, I'll need these encyclopedias too. <laughs> uh, but no, I'll uh, I'll take my leave of them and uh, head out to. Can I do like a, a luck roll to determine if I have a uh, have had recent 
any recent business with a, any um, colleges, like medical colleges, um, in the supplying of bodies and any various <laughs> rackets? Not in Boston for a while, but you do have connections still, like sort of old or latent connections back when you used to run here. And they were in all sorts of things, you know, because after all, black market organ legging type of things still does happen. So you could connect with your old crew that you worked with, you know, Drew's crew. Yeah. You could get in touch with them and see if they have any line on it. <laughs> Last time you well, asked the, them about rare books, and so now you'll be coming in for bodies. Well, That's quite a shift. My uh, my hope here is that uh, if there was a college that I had dealings with, then I would basically my next... Uh, the next opportunity would be uh, in exchange, or rather than exchanging money for uh, the body, I would exchange it for a body for the fluid that could come out of it. Hmm. Well, you did meet a couple of professors, although they weren't medical in the medical field, uh, a few months ago, whose names escaped me. But you met them in the course of your investigation into Charlie Murphy's accusations. So, I mean, you did know those guys. They're acquaintances at least now. Although, you didn't leave on the best of terms when a interdimensional being came and trashed their radio room. But it's true. It's true. No, I, I can connect with, with Drew's crew and see if I can still work that the same angle to try and get the fluid um, in exchange for for help securing the body. Okay. All right. So, you know Drew's Drew and his merry bunch are usually hanging out around the basement. That's just the name of their gin joint, which isn't really correct to call it that. It's more of just like a, a private club, although they do let people in the neighborhood come in there, but they don't usually have jazz going. It's usually just cards and whatever baseball game is playing on the radio. Uh, but you've been there a couple of times recently, so you know right where to go. It's uh, more towards South Boston where... Things get a little bit more industrial and low rent, but it's just the basement level of like a building there that he has occupied. Okay. And you see like the familiar uh, Joe Johnson, you know, big guy with a, like a little rascal's hat on his head, <laughs> standing at the bottom of those steps, you know, looking up at you. <laughs> Zola. Yeah, I'll go to the top of the steps or walk up to... Start heading downstairs and and uh, say, how's it going, Joe? Been a little while. Yeah, Jimmy, good to see you again. Going in? How's it going in? I'll, uh, I'll give him a handshake or a pat on the shoulder as I go by to show my friendliness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, uh, he lets down his guard a little bit and um, gives you a smile. Kind of a dopey smile because he's not the smartest uh, one on Drew's crew. All he's good for is working the door. And that's maybe because he just physically blocks the entryway. So when you have to sidle by him, you know, he stands up flat against the wall. But, you know, he's got a great big belly and you got to brush by him. But soon enough, you're in the basement itself where you see Drew, the leader of Drew's crew, uh, sitting around playing cards and drinking at a table. It's a quiet night, it's a Sunday night. Even respectable criminals take a break every now and then. So, yeah, he's sitting there. Doesn't even really acknowledge you coming in, maybe doesn't notice, but 
you're in there seeing a few guys around the table playing cards. Yeah, if there's uh if there's any room, like I'll go sit at the table. If not, then I'll sit adjacent and uh watch the game for a little while. Yeah, you can approach the table if you want and join in. Yeah. I'll I'll throw down some uh a little bit of, of cash if that's what they're actually playing with. Yeah. It's like oh boys, Jimmy's here, you better play smart. <laughs> oh no. How you doing? Uh doing good, Drew. It's, it's been a little while. Finally, uh finally have some time to blow off some steam. Yeah, so they deal you in after they're just playing, you know, Texas Hold'em style poker. They deal you in after they finish up that hand and you go a few rounds and you kind of think you're picking up something a little odd. So some of your sixth sense is tingling a bit, but why don't you give me a psychology roll? A luck roll to see how he's doing? Yeah, you could do a luck roll too. See if you make a few extra bucks in those hands you play. No. Mm. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I was, uh, if if we were doing that, I was going to just uh, try and intentionally lose though. Oh, okay. Oh, good news. I don't news. want to come in and ask for a favor and take their money. Oh, no psychology for me. Yeah, so you're you're just kind of focused on warming up to uh, trying to ask what you're going to ask and get that all figured out. But And you're also losing money, intentionally or otherwise, you know. You're not actually getting very good, uh, very good hands. And you know one of those guys on Drew's crew is a mechanic with the cards, so... Yeah, it's probably him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's what I'll chalk it up to. Is, uh, either that right. or, or I'm just really good at, at uh, making yeah, making sure I don't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, you've played a few hands. You kind of eased back into it. You know, they're kind of chatting uh, just about the goings on in Boston lately. and uh, But at one point, one of Drew's crew looks at you and he says, hey, Drew, you know, maybe we should bring Jimmy in on a, a gig we got coming up. If he's interested, our our lock guy broke his hand boxing, so, you know, we need somebody to open doors for us, clear the way. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely piques my interest. Was, uh, ask him, was, uh, what what do you what do you guys got uh, cooking here? Well, they got a bunch of hooch sitting down at the docks that's just sitting there because there's a little little more eyes than normal, and uh, the person who owns it is just having it sit there. He's not going to move it while he's being watched, but, uh, you know, we know all the back roads, so all we got to do is go pick it up. And it's nobody that we have to concern ourselves, you know, as far as reprisal goes. So we just need you to open some doors, and we'll do all the heavy lifting. Uh, I definitely, definitely miss... uh... Yeah, the the worry free environment of just opening the doors. I'm in on that. <laughs> All the doors like are highly fun. reflective. Yeah, as long as there's no glass, I'm good. Yeah, this is Lonnie who's kind of pitching it uh, to you. You know, he mostly is kind of like the enforcer of the group. Um, but Drew stands up of a sudden and he's like, "You know, what? where are my manners? I forgot to offer you a drink." Jimmy, what are you drinking tonight? As hmm, I don't know uh, of any non-alcohol drinks. To, yeah, just like a a Coke or something. They got Coke, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he goes behind the bar and he fetches you a bottle and he brings it out with a, like a napkin on the bottom. So you don't mess up their nice table you're playing on. But give me a spot hidden when he sets it down. I see the cerebral fluid floating around inside. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what they were putting in the Coke back then. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you see, it was just a plain, uh, like cocktail napkin, but you see on the underside of it, the one that's on the table that you can't see once he sets it down there, you saw writing on it for a moment, you know, and it was kind of like he held up one corner of it to get your attention, you know, on the down low, but then he goes back to his spot and, uh, it's your turn to deal. All right. Does, yeah, I'll, uh, I will deal the round and, um, after supplying the, uh, the cards go to take a drink and lift the napkin with it and kind of use my thumb on that side of the glass there to hold it up to see what it is as I'm bringing it up to take a drink and putting it back to the table. Yeah, so it says, numbers on your head. Oh, that's right. That's why I left the underground. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When you see that, though, you, you kind of are noticing something uh, that you missed with your psychology role, but now that it, it raises your alert level, you see, you see some of Drew's guys looking at you like a mark. Right? Yeah. You know? And now that that one guy, Lonnie, who was pitching you open in a locks form, you know, the way he's looking at you is a, a little off in your estimation. All right. Well, only one thing left to do. Bust out that thirty-eight and start blasting. That's was, back uh, in New York. Uh, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> after this hand, I'll say that that's it for me for tonight. But, uh, hey, Drew, I've got a... A uh, another little piece of business is uh, something on the side. Is you know, you mind if I uh, get a minute? Give me a psychology roll. Yeah, he gives you a look like I do mind, uh, mm. but you missed it, right? So uh, he's just like, well, anything you can, you know, you you want to pitch to me, my guys can hear it too. <laughs> All right. Well, I need this body, see, and I'll pull out my thirty-eight then and blast on the face. <laughs> <laughs> so you, combat? You say, no, <laughs> I don't think you have your thirty-eight. You left it in New York, as far as I recall. Then I'll you ditched it because of the curse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have that. Uh, I guess the oh, nineteen yeah, eleven right. that I would replace it with, though. So luck roll to All see right. if I've got my the nineteen eleven from. Uh, oh, what was his name? The soldier disfigures. Sure. I mean, would you... Are you really going to start blasting? I mean... (laughs) (laughs) So I don't. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you ditched your gun because of the supposed curse you were worried about on a book. So to have another one uh, would kind of defeat the purpose of ditching that one. So you you left it. It's here in Boston, wherever you're staying, you know, under your pillow or... Probably not under the pillow if he's... (laughs) Actually, the cannon place to put it for that particular one, since it glows, it's your nightlight, so it's just on the, <laughs> the bedside table. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you don't have it on you. I mean, you you could, if you want, have a, a knife, you know. Well. Straight razor. He's a he's a hood. <laughs> All right. Then I'll just uh, instead tell him that I'm in the, in the market for a body. Yeah, some of the guys look at you 
askance. <laughs> you know, they're like, <laughs> what do you need a body for, Whitmire? As, uh, Business and ste pleasure. Step around out back and I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, just uh, a little little piece of business, right? Because uh, you guys know how it goes. You play every angle. <laughs> well, we didn't work the body business, but you're right. We know the guys who do. Uh, and Lonnie pipes in and he's like, yeah, we'll put them in touch. You help us out with these uh, these entryways we need to get through. And we'll put you in touch with the guys that, that run the organ trade. Was, all right. That sounds like a deal. You free tonight? As uh, I'm not free tonight. No, as uh, <laughs> this was supposed to be a pretty quick visit. Hmm. But uh, what about tomorrow? As uh, I will be free on Tuesday night. As you give me a time and a place, and I'll be there. All right. So yeah, you don't. Uh, you see, kind of a shared look from a few of Drew's members. You know, like they're sort of calculating if that will work <laughs> for them, and they're like, "All right, Tuesday night." That will work. We'll do the job. We'll give you the names of the guys we know. Everybody is happy. Uh, it's as always, guys. It, it's a been a pleasure, and I'll uh, kind of tip my my coke and uh, finish it off, and take the napkin and put it in my pocket. Okay. Yeah. You uh, you leave without, or you're able to leave without any sort of challenge. I mean, when you cast a glance back, you see Drew looking at. You, he's got a worried expression that he wipes off his face pretty quick, but uh, then you're outside uh, free for now, and we'll pause you there and move over to Dr. Andrews, who is being tugged towards the bar by a persistent Dr. Call to have drinks, but you don't actually have to do that. What did you want to do with your night, Andrews? Yeah, what time it is? It was, I think you're, we'll say 6.30, right? You guys had... Met after yeah. a day of doing some research in the evening. So, yeah, we'll, we'll put it at 6.30. So you got a few hours of daylight left. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I'll be like, Dr. Call, I'll have one drink with you, but then I have to leave. Oh. Yeah. I need to get uh, home. I have a lot of studying to do. Okay. Yes. Well, yeah. Same. We have to and get plus, to work. I intended to... Uh, Read your friends some more of your friends' medical journal right. this evening as well. So one drink it is then, Doctor Andrews. Okay, and he makes some small talk with you on the way down to the bar. Uh, when you go down there, there's a couple of other members sitting in there that you have not been introduced to, but one you saw was added to the order on the same night that you and Mister Monroe rose in rank. So when you went from neophyte to initiate, he was inducted. Hmm into the order uh but never fear because dr call makes his business to make everybody else's business his business <laughs> and he <laughs> he's like oh let me introduce you uh this is gregory bernhauer uh he's one of our newest i believe you were there the night he came in if i'm mm -hmm. not mistaken and uh, gregory inclines his head the other fellow this is Roald dawson this is a black guy and he actually looks like the, like he's dressed like the Monopoly man, right? Okay. Now you've seen him around and you've heard like he's uh, struck it rich on oil on his property, right? And that's where his money comes from. But you've never really talked to him. So yeah, and he kind of tips his hat to you, or I suppose he wouldn't have it on, manners being what they are and mm -hmm. all, but, you know, he he inclines his head. And uh, that Gregory 
he speaks with a German accent when he talks, you know, and he says, yes, I'm an engineer. You guys are like, what do you do? What do you do? He says he's an engineer here. And, uh, you guys have your drink though. Okay. You sure I can't, uh, entice you into another Dr. Andrews. So what were the, what was that guy's name again? The, the, the German engineer's name is Gregory Bernhauer and the, Black fellow dressed like the Monopoly man is Raul Dawson. Raul? Yeah, Raul. Okay. And he kind of describes that he he's usually at the Nor- New York Lodge Hall. That's his normal stomping grounds. Hmm. But he was down here on business. Uh, and they, so both of them are new members? No, the other one is, uh, he's been here longer than you guys have. Okay. Because he, he first got into the Knights... Or sorry, not the knights, but the uh, what are the, the Hermetic Order back in the New York chapter, which opened years prior to the Boston one. All right, uh, yeah. So then I'll just I'll have my you know drink and I'll make small talk with them, probably mostly with Bernhauer, the engineer. Yeah, well, he is the more talkative of the two. Dawson is a bit standoffish, you would say. He mostly just watches, but, you know, Bernhauer's like, I think it's wonderful that, you know, <laughs> yeah. the hermetic order of the Silver Twilight welcomes immigrants such as myself. You know, most societies are so intolerant. I would imagine especially German immigrants. Yes. And usually when people found that I worked in munitions factory during the war, they're not too mm. pleased with me, but one must make a living. True enough. <laughs> Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you, gentlemen. I'll shake both of their hands. And then, uh, Dr. Call, yeah, um, I appreciate the drink, but I do have a lot of work to get to. So so you never fully answered if we're going to head out there tomorrow. So, sh- you know, I need to know what, yes. what I should put together. Yes, we will be heading <laughs> out there tomorrow. Oh. And uh, you're welcome to come along. Oh. It's going to be dangerous. He's momentarily surprised. <laughs> He's like, well, I will be there. Where are we to meet the 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 Cafe of Destiny, Olafferty's? Olafferty's, yes. <laughs> then I shall be there because mm-hmm. no man can deny destiny. No man so can I deny s- Lafferty's. <laughs> I, I would recommend you bring a medical bag. Of course. Just in case. And a weapon might be in order. A weapon? You know, I've never in all my years thought to... Buy one. It is an odd life we found ourselves thrust into. I, I'm afraid I don't know where to begin. What What was your recommendation? <laughs> this is where you should suspend Doctor Andrews and just go with your love of guns and like really yeah, line something. <laughs> now, what you really want is a shotgun. It's got a good spread. I was uh, thinking, or I was wondering if we know enough. Like, would unalloyed like weapons, like an iron weapon be better or yeah i mean we did read about some of that yeah I know for magic casting that's not the first time you've you've come across that yeah uh, at least monroe knows that that was required for the yeah. the dimensional I guess, shambler i guess even yeah. an iron weapon wouldn't technically be unalloyed right yeah so what would be unalloyed what's an unalloyed metal well it can be or is brief. iron unalloyed? like so, yeah like just, iron something just pure iron silver steals yeah. the alloy uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, silver, or I think copper. You could do copper, yeah. 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 Is that what you recommend to him? Uh, <laughs> Bring a gold dagger. 
<laughs> Might as well, right? <laughs> Though I think silver would probably be cheaper and well, more functional. Lead, <laughs> lead is yeah. a pure metal, right? Right. So I'll just tell him a shotgun with bird shot. Unjacketed okay. yeah. <laughs> bullets. A shotgun with bird shot because there also might be some pests on the property. It is up in the you know, out in the mm. country. So mm. so uh it could be just as easy to say we're gonna do some bird hunting. Well I will I will procure And you can get them. a shotgun right out of the series. No, man, he's book. gonna bring one of those like double barrel like for the time several thousand dollar gun or something like that. <laughs> well yeah, I mean he's rich, yeah. Somebody's gotta find the quad gun anyways, so, but <laughs> it'll be Dr. Cole. I found this. Uh yeah, so that's what I recommend. Uh a weapon, your medical bag, and something to write on and with and uh good sturdy boots okay fortitude <laughs> well institutional fortitude. good evening dr andrews i shall see you tomorrow <laughs> wink, wink nod <laughs> <laughs> you may not because i am cursed due to the possession of a book and i might die also but then i'll leave hand. these parting words you cannot now leave <laughs> when you say such such yeah. a thing <laughs> Sorry, Chris, what was it? Oh, I was just <laughs> saying that you should also reveal his hand. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this? <laughs> Fascinating. Um, May I touch it? Perhaps rub my cheek against it? <laughs> so uh, rather than go home from there, I want to go to a church. Okay. Just back to the church that you attend your mass at? Yeah, I'd like to do confession and then maybe see if I can talk to the priest about uh, yeah, the curse, and if he if if there's anything in in my new found faith that could protect me against things like that. All right, yeah. So it's Father Singleton. He runs the the church there, and uh, he takes your confession. What sins do you have to confess? By the way, oh, where do we start? <laughs> I mean... Consorting with. Uh... Demonic entities, perhaps? Well, have I done any of that lately since my last <laughs> confession? I guess now <laughs> I would have to confess to sorcery for right. slowing down time. Are you perhaps possessed? I you don't, don't feel possessed. I don't feel like I'm possessed. <laughs> yeah. but, but I would have to confess to that, and then I would confess to, uh, you know, breaking the law. Right. Well, he, um, after you go through your list and given the strange nature nature of it, after he gives you your absolution and, you know, your ten Hail Marys and ten Our Fathers or whatever, yeah, and you get out, you know, he has a very curious look on his face, so he's kind of primed up to hear what else you're going to ask him about. But, yeah. You know... So he's like, what are you into, Dr. Andrews? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell him 100% the whole truth. Like, the whole truth. Demonic lizard people are attempting to change the climate to better themselves. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will. I'll tell them the whole truth. Uh, You're the only one that's standing between them. Well, specifically regarding this particular case. Okay. <laughs> about the gin. Um, I'll even mention my hand and, you know, I'll, I'll tell them the whole truth. I'll probably leave out other names, though. I'll just be like my associates. Right. But, this is your burden. But yeah. Your sin. Well, <laughs> I need a minute to process that. Dr. I, I suspected I, you might. Is a persuasion <laughs> or a charm in order? This is a little. <laughs> yeah, let's try that. Let's because you have uh, you have persuade. 
Yeah. Given all of the confession and and your beginning discussion, that will give you enough time to work persuade so you can we'll see how the Father Singleton takes it. All right, let me see here. Success. Okay. Yeah, so this kind of your sincerity sort of catches him off guard and he, you know, he's kind of giving you an incredulous look at first when you're kind of describing it, but then he he thinks for a moment and he's like, "Well, you know, in seminary I did we did spend time on exorcisms and things of that nature. So I suppose I can't just write it off as some sort of delusion on your part, but I have to caution you, the way you describe this sort of sounds outside of God's creation. It doesn't seem like you're talking about demons and whatnot, uh, but you should probably begin to think of them that way, because that could just be one of the many ways that they're trying to fool you. But what? why are you concerned with it? What has compelled you to not just remove yourself from that? Uh, so I'll just sit there and look at him in stunned silence as I haven't actually considered that. <laughs> Like my character like hasn't actually considered that. Right. Like it just sort of started and then I wanted to So I what I'll say is I I just sort of fell into it and things started happening that that none of my education or experience had prepared me for. And then in order to maintain some semblance of sanity, I felt my only option was to learn more about it to peel back the mystery to reduce it to a recipe or a equation that could be understood. And if understood, then it wouldn't be so frightening. I haven't been doing this for long, but I can say so far, no question, no answer has brought every answer I've found has only brought more questions. That is, but, the- but I do feel like, my associates and I did save some portion of humanity from great tragedy. And, and Charlie Murphy. And, and then there was a young boy who was facing a fate he did not deserve. So I feel like I am doing some good, or I have the potential to do some good that uh, others wouldn't even know to do. Well, then perhaps God has called you to do that, but I would caution that you not lose sight of God the Father and all this, because the way you've spoke about it, the the way my read on you looking at it is, is that maybe the the weight you're giving to that is greater than you should be giving it. But I don't know. I don't hearing it. It doesn't seem like I can even grasp entirely what it is you're involved in. Yeah, I assure you, you cannot. <laughs> Give, However, what what I really want what I was really hoping for. And then I'll like show him that book. Yeah. And and I'll explain to him that this book is cursed and I had to use sorcery because just possessing it puts me in danger. And I was hoping in the dark recesses of ancient Catholic teachings, you had some, some knowledge of some, some prayer, some ritual that could protect me from, from this curse. We do have many blessings we could give. Yes, bless. I can you bless, bless the me, book and Father? and you if you wish. Yes, please. But I will need your best effort not to lose yourself in this. The trickeries of the devil are a maze. 
So stay, keep, keep your eyes on God and I will give you the blessing, which he does. You know, he goes, he, he does some sort of Latin chant on the book itself, you know, something that you've kind of seen just a little bit when they do like house blessings, Mm -hmm. when you move into a new house, that sort of stuff. But then he gives you a a blessing in English just on you, you know, and sprinkles some holy water on you. And, uh, he tells you to go with God. It was really glunda fluid. <laughs> That's all holy water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'll thank him and and I'll I'll do the cross thing and I'll stand up to leave. But then a thought occurs to me and I'll turn back and say, Father, how good is your Latin? I mean, that's what they learn in, right? Yes. Yeah. That's excellent. Would you say <laughs> it's better than a fifty of one hundred? <laughs> I would say that they hold us to a high standard. <laughs> okay. Uh, especially to to belong to this parish, you know, they don't just throw any old priest down here. Okay. Well, thank you, Father. Good evening. (laughs) Could you help me with the... (laughs) Right here. Yeah, no, I might be put, like, that might be putting a bit much on him in one one go, so, but... And if you... Also, that additional detail, since you've been kind of paying attention to it, you know, there's these uh this web of time that you see, you know, you've been paying attention to how it's affected by you, and, and you see that uh, dimming as you're talking to him, you know, and you've kind of come to the conclusion that this is a proximity to you or, or the book you're carrying. Yeah. And yeah, that happens as well, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of in the back of your head. And there's no effect that you can see when the blessing is done on the book, at least not immediately. Yeah, you that's know? what I was going to ask. Okay. And this, what's his name, Father? What? Uh, Singleton. Singleton. Okay. So yeah, after that, then um, I'll take his advice to heart as much as I can and I'll. You know, I'll go back home and do some more studying. Yeah. Okay. So on to the condo of the younger Merriweather. (laughs) Where Mr. Monroe sits there trying to sort out which of the realities is true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you had that where you saw that effect on the body of Larkin, which kind of tilted you one way like that was a weird thing to see in reality but okay so you've been left with a few fading memories of these personas inside your head and this is sort of a new revelation that has come about because you're getting these images and you're kind of thinking about the nature of how you learned that spell like first it was imposed on you by father Mm -hmm. and then you kind of understood while it was fading that if you took certain symbols and and certain you know ways of talking then you could replicate it you know mm-hmm. but the symbols you didn't understood they were you almost kind of intuited them at that time something you wouldn't have been able to replicate now as part of being so closely bonded with father at one time but you do know as an occultist that symbols have a, a wide variety of meaning you know that's like it's it's knowledge condensed basically yeah. you know uh thousands of years of knowledge condensed into this one symbol. And and um, the thought you're coming to and how you have these personas in your head is that when you connected with their mind, you made such a perfect carbon copy of it in, in your own that it kind of left the after image of their personality at, of that person in that time and place. Okay. And really what you're doing is like closer to understanding physics so completely that when you move a cue ball around a pool table, you know you can predict where it's going to go. So because you know that person so well, you can say the right things, you can 
nudge the right facts in their mind to basically just predict the course if you if you have the right stimuli. Hear that, Whitman? I know what you're doing before you do. <laughs> At that time. He's, you know, yeah, yeah, changed true. now, so that yeah. that's why you have to kind of refresh it. But um yeah. so yeah, you're kind of understanding how that that's working and you're losing the image of the conquistador, of Whitmire, of the being, you know, his father, uh now kind of bound up with uh this black pharaoh persona that came out in this image. But you can go ahead and give me a Cthulhu mythos role with a bonus die. Mm. All right. Cthulhu mythos. Just one bonus? Yes. Yeah. Well, you would put two, though, for rolling bonus. Okay. Nope. But the... And I can't buy it? Yeah, you can use luck on mythos if you want. All right. Yeah, I'll spend the 17 to buy that one. What is it? You you don't get the check, though, with buying it? Or do you? Well, mythos doesn't even go oh, up that okay. way, so... So you grab a hold of that uh, black pharaoh persona, father persona, before it fully flees, and you're like trying to gaze at all those memories that you had captured. Uh, And you remember, through father, the beggar in the cave on the mountainside from the story in the De Vermis Mysterious. Okay. Uh, You remember the bargain struck there and your ascension, although unlike the story, the servant didn't fall to his death, and it wasn't a servant, it was many servants purposely put to death, sacrificed because you were trying to gain that power. You remember being just a man with ambition, perhaps greater than others at one point. And you recall stories of a wise people from a time before a great cataclysm in the Nile Valley who tried to pass on wonderful technologies to the people of the Nile Valley. That would be your ancestors. You don't know where they came from. They were men, but the stories said they were of you know they were higher minded, uh, but time was too cruel and short, and they went they were unable to teach what they knew. Nevertheless, they left something. They were entities that could absorb knowledge hmm. from the progenitors and pass it on to a select few. But where these entities were bound, how they were kept, what they even looked like, was kind of lost to the vagaries of time. But you had heard them; it was a strong oral tradition in your family to pass on this story of the progenitor people that uh, lived before a cataclysm. It was a a flood myth, basically, that they had lived through. But uh, So you always sought out this dark power. You know, you had a few scraps and bits as where they might be located, and you did find it one day. And uh, so, like I said, you remember making that deal and your symbiosis with the entity when you found it, that spoke as the beggar, but spoke with plural, you know, Mm -hmm. pronouns and stuff. Uh, And one thing the story did get right is that there were multiple of these encased anthropod-like creatures in there, and you were only able to interact with the one, and they closed off, the rest of them closed off to you. You couldn't replicate the same ceremony as you did for the first time. But they did bestow upon you great knowledge, great ability, but also an overriding force to seek something, and you dreamt about it. And it was, for many long years, you would dream about it without knowing what it was. But you know, in accessing the memory of that dream, that it was the artifact that you know as this shining trapezohedron. Okay. But then the father persona slips back into the subconscious. And there you are, mostly... Whole inhale, 
although shaky, because like I said, you're in a state of underlying insanity. Any further sanity loss will throw you back into the deep end. But now you're in this reality, and uh, Glover's, I guess you were just sitting there. Yeah. Glover's kind of going around making sure everything looks legit, because yeah. he knows uh, Detective Bell's on his way down probably yeah. as you're speaking. But yeah, so I'll probably release puffing. it to the two of you there now. I'm puffing on my cigar <laughs> like a, a train going down the tracks right now, looking over everything. I think, because I think I left my gun in... Uh, Meriwether's hand. I think I'm going to take it back. Mm -hmm. I think I think the story's going to be that I shot Larkin because I already got the powder on my hands. Meriwether tried to take the gun from me, and I just clocked him. That's what I'm going to go with now. Oh, and I'll kind of maybe keep an eye on him. You know, like maybe uh, like mid sentence, maybe you come back, and I'm like. All you got to do is say you saw nothing. You just, the gun was pointing to your face. You kind of blacked out. Happens all the time. <laughs> so I, I, you said, I, I do kind of vaguely remember through these other personas what had yeah. happened. You, you have the sense of being like them. Okay. You have way less information as far as it comes of, to the narrative of what happened while you were gone, you know? Okay. You just kind of have the emotional, uh, connection to how, what they were thinking and feeling while that was going on. So you don't have like a movie reel of what happened. That's okay. very murky. But got some slight impressions mixed yeah. with, you know, my flashes of coming to with the sword in my hand. Right. And, yeah. Okay. All right. So, um, yeah, I'm still just going to be kind of dazed and staring at you. Whatever you say. Whatever you say. Get your act together, Whitmire. <laughs> I'm not Whitmire. Why do you keep calling me Whitmire? Ah, you're back, huh? About dang time. Just stick with the story. Last thing you really remember was a gun stuck in your face. You panicked. It's believable enough. That is the last thing I remember. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. I'll do the talking. All right? All right. Cops are on the way. All right. So, Glover, you got a couple of options here for how we can figure out how good you are at concealing the evidence without actually having to think of everything. So you can use your law skill, but mm -hmm. you can also use stealth. Whichever one you prefer. Mm, they're so close together. Stealth is 65. Law is 62. I think I might stealth it, right? It's a cover-up. Right. I mean, law I think I'd use if I'm just going to try to essentially talk my way out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I'll try stealth in it. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Hard <laughs> nice. success. Uh, one of the things I am going to do is uh, kind of pull his robe back up. Not tighten it or anything, because we did struggle, but got to hide those bite marks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with that hard success, you you actually think of a better thought when it mm. comes to Monroe uh, just sticking to a story, which he should also do. But before he even says anything, he should get in touch with his lawyer. Mm. Like, you know that that blocks a lot of stuff. Yeah. When As soon as a lawyer shows up, it's not a fun time for you as a detective, right? Uh -huh. You know. I still like the idea of him just sticking with not remembering anything but yeah i mean that could be part of it but it's you you bring up a good point there show out after i i'm off the phone i'll all right monroe mm. you got a lawyer because you probably should mm. get one i have one that that's helped me with uh some business related affairs they're not really much of a criminal lawyer though i'll gesture to the phone don't say anything about what's going on up here operators they listen in do i need to have my lawyer meet us at the police station or what do i think on that here might be better 
That's probably where they would end up meeting you. Yeah. Well, they're probably going to end up meeting you at the station. But right. if you get taken in, depends. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'll call him. Yeah. 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 Yes. Of course. That makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Good act you got going on there, Monroe. <laughs> Is this James Clark you're thinking of? Or some other lawyer? No, it was. It would have been, you know, just somebody that I had helped me set oh, okay. up. Set up. Uh, Do stuff your business. Or, yeah. Stuff. Go, my, yeah. go through my business. Then, uh, perhaps even, <laughs> what, what's his name? Howard the, Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. Jenkins. Ah, mm. oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, then I think I'll maybe pour myself a drink and yeah. uh, sit down in a chair and smoke at that cigar like it's uh, going out of style. But like, as I come to, I'm like, what's going on with Larkin is going to bother me more and more. Cause like you said, like I can sort of see a disjointed reality there. So I'm going to kind of stand up and then go squat next to it and kind of just make sure you don't touch anything. So you can discover all of those things that I described last episode, as far as how the physics weren't quite right. Like he, Mm -hmm. he looked dead even when he was alive. But with the wounds, it looks like he sh- he should be dead. The problem is, he's still like warm to the touch, uh, even though you don't detect any breathing, anything like that. And that effect you saw on him was sort of a, the fading understanding of father. So as father's mm-hmm. persona departed, so too did your ability to see that part of it. But you think that it still must be there. Mm-hmm. It's just shifted to a or your perception came down from a plane that you can no longer see into or something, right? But you think the effect is ongoing, whatever is happening. Can I do like a power or a Cthulhu mythos role to see if I can capture what he had done? Yeah, you can, you could do mythos or extreme power role. Uh, let's see. I think the extreme power role is probably my better. No, not even close. Mm. Yeah, 89 versus 18, so... Yeah, the uh, you did because it's kind of the same process you did with father's mm-hmm. ability, but when you you know try to take a closer look, for lack of a better word, it's a lot more complex than what you had dealt with. Yeah, previously, and just even looking at it makes it kind of impossible to do it again, at least right now. So it kind Almost. of gives you a slight fuzzy brain, like it was made up on the spot, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm also going to be kind of looking at his person see if he has any anything on him yeah that's obvious uh that might i don't know either be useful for us or (laughs) well he has you know his wallet which has a few different stubs in it for like local transportation Mm -hmm. and then a train stub from like new york down to here as well as a few folded bills but nothing else really of interest okay yeah, not um, like scraps of parchment or books <laughs> or anything like that. This is what you need to do next. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, nothing like that. He did have like kind of a little black book with a few names in it, most of which you don't recognize. There's one that you did recognize. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to be actually going through anything. Yeah. I'm just kind of looking. See if it's and, there. Yeah, yeah. see okay. if, see what, what he has in his pockets. And if from like without touching it, because I'm going to follow his, his orders of don't touch You're the right, body. Yeah. So this is just kind of visual examination. So yeah, you yeah. just see that he has a wallet and you can see that there's a ticket and uh, like a bill that's visible from without touching it. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll 
also exclaim, exclaim, it's like he's frozen. I'll kind of have my hand like over my eye, like rubbing my, my forehead, and I'll kind of lift up some fingers and look at him. <laughs> like, he's dead. <laughs> of course, I, he ain't moving. I know, but like, Merriweather, he, he's dead, dead, and, and not moving. Larkin, he, even his clothes are frozen in like mid motion. I'll give the corpse a, another look over, see if what, if Monroe's pointing anything out that makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty obvious when it's pointed out to you that there's just a, there, I mean, they are subtle in a way, but there's a, a few odd things, you know, like just the fact that he's warm but looks dead and there's no breath, right? And you might know enough to check for a pulse given that. I'm not sure when that came about, but yeah. mm-hmm. um, in any case, you're not getting a pulse either, right? But uh, yeah, those are the kinds of things you picked up. Like blood is... Pooling weird. If oh, it's not happened. even pooling anymore, right? It's yeah. uh, like if if there's like a bead that was rolling a particular way, it's just stopped there. I'll look away <laughs> and finish my drink and just shit down, Monroe. It's been a long day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's been a strange day. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm gonna feel a need to be moving as well, like yeah. with things. So I'm gonna be kind of pacing around the room a little bit. Um, yeah, maybe to try and distract my mind, go and look at any books he has on his library or anything like that. Yeah, and just kind of pour yourself a drink. It'll help. Uh, no, I I need my head clear right now. Yeah, so you see the evidence of a rather unremarkable college career mm. in law and uh and then his interest in law, so he has, you know, a library of various books on, on different components of law. And then his interest from high school, like so he had those foils, uh that sort of stuff, you know. But yeah. nothing that seems relevant. And it's during all this pacing, you know, it takes kind of a long time. Mm-hmm. for Detective Bell to finally arrive, but he is the first one there, you know. He just walks into the scene, and he catches your eye, Glover, and he's like, uh, the the patrol cops are getting the neighbor's information. So what happened here, Glover? We walked in. Perp number one, and I'll point to Larkin's body, uh, drew a gun on us shortly after we came in. We were invited in by Meriwether Jr. over there. We came to see him about a uh, property dispute. And uh, anyway, introduces that man as Larkin, and uh, he had a gun on us, seemed to be more focused on Monroe, and uh, looked like at some point he became very agitated and uh, was going to shoot. So I got my gun out, and I shot him first, and uh, it set Merriweather off something fierce, and he started attacking me, and I was forced to defend myself against him. That's, that's long and short of it. <laughs> Jeez, Glover, this, you got that hearing coming up. I know. <laughs> and I was hoping that uh, we could tidy this all up pretty quick. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. Let me walk around a little bit and uh, we'll talk about it some more. Well, I'll uh, put my gun on the, a nearby table or something yeah. like that and walk away from it. Go let him do his investigation. Yeah, so he, you know, he's got his toothpick in the corner of the mouth and he kind of looks at he mostly just does like a lot of looking without touching, you know, and he gets different angles on how Meriwether's laying, 
you know, kind of look. It's you just have that when you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the guilty sort of thing. You think you're reading too much into it, but really, you you might calm yourself by thinking, "Well, I do the same thing," you know. Just, right. yeah. <laughs> I also think that uh, I might actually uh, be able to beat this on a fair right. fair trial. <laughs> yeah, but he spends, I don't know, maybe. 30, 30 long minutes looking it all over before he comes up back to you and he's like, well, seems to fit. Now, I don't want to say I told you so, but I uh, can't help it. Mr. Monroe's over there. <laughs> yep. That he <laughs> is. here you are. And here I am. Amidst a mess. Uh, one up to the old uh, chin, I'd say, yeah. Well, I'm finding what you're saying. I don't think my guys are going to find any that heard anything different in the apartments, but uh, Monroe's going to say the same thing you're saying. No problem there. Talk to him. Uh, uh, you need to probably get in touch with uh, the representative there and let him know what's going on. Also get in touch with Terry, let him know what's going on. That's probably your next move, but I'll go talk to Monroe. All right. I'll uh, leave the room and... Go find a phone, maybe front desk. Yeah. Go uh, schedule oh. a meeting with Terry. So, uh, Mr. Monroe, is it? <laughs> On I'm, I'm going to have that like thousand yard stare <laughs> kind of <laughs> thing going, but I'll shake my head. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, what happened here? We came to talk to Mr. Merriweather. Uh, he's contesting, well, I guess not longer, but he, he was contesting. <laughs> Uh, property settlement. We we inherited uh, a piece of property from his father, and he was disputing that. And so, I had hoped that you know by bringing Detective Glover with me that we could find an amicable uh, midway point where if there was something on the property or something special about the property for him that we could you know come to terms over it rather than having to draw out a long legal battle. But once we got here, uh, Mister Larkin here drew a gun on me. I haven't seen him since Peru, but uh, I he drew the gun on me, and I went to go sit down, and then uh, he looked like he was about to fire, and everything just kind of went black. I have little flashes of gun going off, and and then uh, then Glover and and uh, Merriweather fighting, and then the next thing I know, Merriweather's dead, and. Larkin's on the floor as well, and and yeah, I, I I really don't remember much of what actually happened in the in the fight. So you said you knew Larkin. You haven't seen him since Peru, so you knew him professionally. Yes, we had an expedition uh, funded by Mister Merriweather's father, along with Mister Larkin, to go and recover some uh, Peruvian artifacts. And on the way back, many of them were stolen from from uh, what we had tried to ship back. And Mr. Larkin refused to believe that I didn't know where those pieces had disappeared to. He seemed very upset about them. Hmm. Uh, give me a psychology roll. Success. Mm. Nice. Yeah, you can see, he asks you kind of a series of questions that are still sort of related to the case, but they're like angling in another direction almost, right? Like there's something else he wants to ask about, but he's not really willing to show his hand yet, Mm -hmm. you know, but he's kind of trying to get 
like your placement in Boston, like what are you here for, that sort of stuff, you know, do you reside in Boston? Or pull you, out a flyer. How'd you guys all meet? <laughs> <laughs> Careful reaching. Yeah. But yeah, I'll, I'll say, yeah, I have my, my museum here and yeah. that's part of the reason why I was on that Peruvian expedition was to get artifacts for it. Plus it has it, a single so. droplet of blood on it. But yeah, you pass it off to him. <laughs> Does he? Uh... Is it my own blood? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not sure how it got there. Probably when you were maybe standing nah. close to Meriwether getting beat, or when I shot Larkin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it was when Whitmire was trying to find a gun, and he mm. brought it brought it out. Some mm. blood mm. on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you can tell he's trying to angle elsewhere. He's just not. There's something you're not sure what he's getting at. But it it seems like it's at a different level than just what happened in this room. But he stops the line of questioning and he says, well, I got to go over all the scene here and I, I have a lot more questions for you. So I'm going to need you to head down to the station. And right. at this, by, by this point, you know, the other cop, the patrol officers came in and, uh, you know, they're doing different stuff, which I think from what I remember reading in the modern era, they would be like, walking everywhere yeah. and stuff right so but they do do the thing where they start putting down uh like the little tents for things yeah. they mark as evidence chalk yeah and the old good old chalk outline so yeah they're like uh you can get a ride with uh officer go to my name list <laughs> Gillespie here yeah. he'll, he'll take you down to the station and uh we just have a bunch more questions for you if everything goes all right you should be out you know not too much longer Hopefully no later than tomorrow morning. All right. If you don't mind, I'd, I'd kind of like to call my lawyer and have him meet me down there to to keep me aware of what my rights are. Oh, Mr. Monroe, I don't think that'll be necessary. Well, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> You're not under that, arrest but, or anything. We're just but trying to figure this thing out. Still, I, I don't want want to be put in any position where I am incriminated in some way for something I didn't do. Well, that's your prerogative, but I am going to say it could draw things out, uh, but I'll leave it in your hands. Right. Anyhow, if you'll go with Gillespie there. Um, yeah, I'm going to ask if I can make a stop and make a phone right, I think call. you had already Like I'd called him and, yeah, and, yeah. and told him that I may need him to come down. <laughs> okay. but, so you want to verify it? Yeah, yeah, they let you make that call uh, before, because they don't cuff yeah. you or anything like that. So you're able to contact your lawyer. So for your part, Glover... What we're going to do is put a social role on all the talk, and that goes on as well mm. uh, through that. Uh, uh, this is just the detectives read on you, so you can pick the one of your choice. Good poll rank. Start intimidating them. Mm. <laughs> what is it? Charm, 65. Persuade, 63. Or is intimidate, 65. Yeah, I think I'll, um, but I think I'll just try to charm, right? Just Okay. I, I think, like, as Monroe's coming down to the front desk, I'll be there one ear on the phone waiting for Terry. Right. But I'm talking to, like, the cops around me kind of thing. You know? Yeah. So how's the kid, Joey? You know, like, yeah. And so, yeah, like, these guys know me, and I'm just going to hope they look the other way. It's a day at the office. It's not the first time you've made small talk around a corpse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here we go. Success. Nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, so you got, by the, after a little while, you're reasonably certain that everybody's buying it, including Detective Bell. 
You're not sure, though. He does keep looking at you a little weird, but it could be he's still trying to figure out what the Monroe angle is because, after all, you already talked to him about that, and he's mm. a little concerned about those guys, him and Dr. Andrews. Doesn't help, I promised him a pile of corpses. <laughs> right. And it looks like he's starting to get yeah. one piece at a time. <laughs> but um, it does take a while. Like, you're there for hours, you know, and they just while they go over the scene. But he comes back at some point, and while... He doesn't, you're not near the ear of any of the patrol officers or the people gathering evidence. And he says, um, hey, you know, about that, uh, about that hearing, this isn't like a, a gangster was gunned down. This guy looks like he comes from money, you know. So uh, about that thing we talked about earlier on Wednesday, mm. if you can, I think you're just going to have to act like you don't know anything about it, you know, because I don't think you can be attached to more, to more, you know what I'm saying? At least, maybe you don't care. Maybe maybe the truth is truth. That's something I would expect to hear from Nichols, but <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, maybe maybe you just let that one slide. I don't know who you were with, but if you can just pretend like you never saw anything like that, because if we go forward on Wednesday with a bunch more bodies and this, you know, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to look. I never planned to be involved with... Uh... The upcoming thing on Wednesday. That's all you. Okay. Thanks to anonymous tip and yeah. your fine detective work. Yeah, I guess we could run it that way. We could, yeah. I mean, I'll leave it up to you. Uh, you're the, it's your discretion on this one if you want. Okay, give me a psychology rule. Psychology? Yeah. Mm. Push it, read them wrong. Right. I get the, yeah. Oh, should I? Always push. Always push. No. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I'm reading them wrong. What am I reading? So, he's like, he says, yeah, you're right. I can, we can, we can run it that way, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's all going to work out for you. Yeah. You know, this looks pretty cut and dried. So, uh, you know, you, I don't know what the, what Terry's going to have for you. So you might as well go home and get a moment while you can. I'm sure they're going to call you in momentarily. But he just gives you a wink at the end of it that just hits you the absolute wrong way, you know? Because mm. he's a sharp guy. I mean, you know, and you're not playing necessarily a simple ruse on them. You stuck pretty close to the truth that was in your favor. But you do not like the wink that he gave you, you know? <laughs> All right. Because he's like, and steer, you know, steer clear of Monroe and Andrews, you know? Maybe you shouldn't associate while wow, this is all going on. Yeah, I'll Wait. shake his hand, you know, be like, thanks, looking out. And uh, I'll give him <laughs> my signature kind of squint back. <laughs> you have a good rest of your day. Hopefully I'll get out of here soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll leave off with Glover, although you can briefly say what your plan was. Was it just to go home or? No, I'm going to head over to Monroe's Curioso. Unless I am able to spot or feel something uh, that I'm potentially being tailed. Yeah, you don't see anything like that. Um, although you maybe half expected it, given that odd behavior right at the tail end there from Detective Bell. But nobody's following you as far as you can tell. And uh, you can make your way over to the Curioso. But that's where we'll leave off with Glover for now. And we'll head back over to Mr. Whitmire. So you've just left the basement. Joe Johnson doesn't give you any odd vibes when you're walking up the stairs. You know, he just wishes you a good night. Of course, you might not expect him to be in on 
anything hinky if that were the case, because he's just the door guy. But uh, leaving the basement, where do you plan to go from there, Mister Whitmire? So I'm gonna I'm gonna catch a, a cab as fast as I can, and then uh, okay, kind of uh, roundabout to to a, a safe house, and just make sure <laughs> I'm not being followed. I also need to send some uh, some telegrams too. So after I make sure that I'm not followed, I'm gonna go and uh, rent a uh, hotel room that at least upscale enough place that uh, I'd have access to be able to send some messages. Yeah, you definitely got the money for it, and you don't see anybody following you. Your read on the situation is that they bought that you fully expect to be there on Tuesday. So if, they give me the place that I'm supposed to go, or they want me to go? Well, say it was just to meet meet back there at the basement on Tuesday, and then they'll head down, all head down together, okay. which is kind of part of what, you know, as you're thinking about it, you're like, is there even a job that fits this description, given that Drew tipped you off to there being, you know, a number on your head? If some of his guys are going to make a move, then... They're going to want to know, you know, if they got to dispose of you or something like that. They need to know where your evidence of you is going to be. You know, it's kind of what you're thinking. But they don't send anybody on your tail, and you're able to find, you know, a nice hotel. You're able to afford them a little swankier these days that you can send off telegrams from the hotel. Uh, I'd like to send some telegrams to some of my boys in New York. Okay. That uh, need need uh, about uh, 10 to 15 strong arms down in Boston or over in Boston. Okay. And then All right, so you... I'll, I'll send a, a telegram to uh, Andrews as well and uh, Monroe's shop saying that uh, I had to had an emergency and had to leave town for a couple days. <laughs> but I should be back by the end of the week. Call that one the Whitmire. Mm. Uh, where are you receiving your telegrams, Dr. Andrews? Uh, my... Your home, which home. is where you were going. Yeah. So, yeah, at some point when you get back, uh, I think you said you had planned to just do a little bit more research while at home. Yeah. You do receive that telegram or a notification from the desk to the building your apartment's in saying you have a message downstairs. Okay. Yeah, I'll go check it. Yeah, it ends up being from Whitmire saying he had left town for a few days he'd be back by the end of the week and that's it that's it <laughs> okay <laughs> all right let's define my own cerebrospinal fluid don't worry you'll be swimming in bodies soon <laughs> <laughs> if everything uh, works out whitmire's got to start a mob war mm -hmm. yeah so when you get to that hotel you're just going to lay low there then for the rest of the night yeah as i'll uh okay. i'll read my book Put another night on there for you? Yeah. Okay. All right, so then that follows on to Dr. Andrews, who you have that telegram now, and what's your take on that, that you're just going to have to find your own body? Yeah, I mean, he says a few days. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I'll have to open up some other avenues. Right. Well, you had discussed with Dr. Call, you know, you could maybe go through the legal means of obtaining a cadaver for research which are a lot less restrictive than they would be now you know yeah so it's not outside of the the realm of possibility you just would have to work some connections and pay a little bit of money yeah 
Yeah, we'll try that. Okay. I mean, it was probably late now. Yeah, Sunday night. So. Yeah. So best safe for the morning. Yeah. So what did you want to do with the rest of your evening? Uh, so I'll just I'll do some more reading on the Dave Vermis Mysterio. Well, no, I'll the just, other one. I'll read the medical journal. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. You got yeah. work to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, if you do it tonight, then you can knock off your need to do it tomorrow morning to spend a fraction of your morning on that. Okay. So who's getting distracted and off course now? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that brings us back around to Detective Jack Glover, who was making his way to Monroe's Curioso. Of course, you know he's not going to be there, because at least you don't think so. Well, Quest. I was hoping for, to encounter Andrews or Whitmire. Yeah, so it is when you get there, because he's a pagan, his establishment is open late on Sunday, yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> As long I'm, as I can keep uh, Anita there to, to... Right. Yeah. She'll work. She, yeah, she'll work for you. Um, so, yeah, you just have... it's Nobody's there, though, uh, on on a Sunday night. So she's just uh, going around dusting things currently, you know, trying to occupy herself on a slow night when you walk through the doors. I'll be kind of winded, and I'll uh, pause to take a nice long uh, puff on my cigar and correct my hat to its, like, skewed position on my head. Seems like it's going to fall off. You know? Anita, right? Yeah. Ah, good to see you. You haven't uh, happened to see uh, Dr. Andrews or Mr. Whitmire stop by today? Mm, I don't believe I've seen either of them all day. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sometimes a day feels like weeks to me. At this exciting establishment? <laughs> but no, he, I don't believe he was in here all day. He was... I don't think he planned to be. He had mentioned something yesterday about being at the library or a library and not to expect him. Mm. He has been getting messages, though, so... Could I perhaps see him? You saw me around him all the time. You know, we're like bosom buddies. <laughs> Let's see if you'll charm your way back. Because she thinks about it again. She's like, I guess that would be private. But, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, ordinarily I would say no, but you being a, a police officer, detective and all, I'm sure it's on the level. So, yeah, you just you yeah. had, you, so you have like a collection of like business related ones, you yeah. know, he's like trying to acquire artifacts from different places. Um, You're a real sweetheart, Anita. You remind me of my daughter. She's smart and beautiful like you. Oh, she <laughs> blushes. <laughs> but um, you see, the one, the pertinent one is the one from Whitmire that says he left town for a few days. It's It came in just a little while ago. Do I think that might cause problems? Do I think that they're probably not going to search here? Or... Yeah, so I'll be kind of like squinting at this message yeah. while I'm thinking this over here. Well, it's sort of one of those things where you're... You're shocked, but not shocked, given the little you know about Whitmire. Yeah. You know, he he had that sort of vibe that you might just, but you don't know what he was doing. You know, I, while you were in my, I'm not worried about what he's doing. I'm worried about how it's going to look. Oh, you don't think it catch a body and then Whitmire goes out of town ups and disappears? Yeah, with Bell, not no one else. I'm yeah. worried about this looking yeah. to Bell if Bell decides to search here. Well, if you recall, Bell wasn't even aware that Whitmire was in the equation. 
until you mentioned it, right? Mm. So, uh, but it wasn't the context in which you mentioned it was that you just went to go look at this place, right? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really know, and Whitmire wasn't at the scene, obviously. So you think you'll be all right, but you don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Anita, is, is it all right if I take this one? I'll pass it to her. You can commit that one to memory. It's it's extremely easy. I just I just want to take that one. Oh yeah, I don't see that be a problem. I'll just tell Monroe directly. You know, Whitmire, he sleeps in here sometimes. Scared the bejesus out of me when I came in one morning. He crawled down from the storage racks in the back, <laughs> like he lives there. What a kooky fella! <laughs> yeah, he is an odd one. I I can figure out how Andrews and Monroe sort of connect, and I can figure out you. Uh, but I don't know how Whitmire, like, why does he hang out with Monroe? Why are they friends, apparently? I don't know. I've been asking myself that same question. And you don't have any insight? They don't, yeah. are they even friendly to each other behind closed doors? It seemingly. Hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to lock up, but, uh, unfortunately, Monroe, uh, ran into a little bit of trouble and is currently down at the station. He'll probably be released in the morning. So I'd suggest you close up shop. What kind of trouble? I'll let him (laughs) explain that to you. I I barely know myself. Well, he does have a knack for that. But don't worry. He's contacted his lawyer. He's got a good head on his shoulders. If only he could just keep from talking. (laughs) That is his chief problem, I found. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll I'll hand the other uh, telegrams back to her and then take the one. Okay. Uh, I got to get home. Wife's uh, cooking is probably already turned cold. She's going to give me a tongue lashing. All right. And so you head home from that point with that telegram that Whitmire had sent. Throw it away at some point along the way. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So uh, are you truly heading home now for the... Yeah. To call it an evening? And I'll, I'll end the day by staring into a pot of probably uh, some sort of quick oats. Right. All right, Lance, so you've been taken to the police station. You're going to jail. Where you were left to sit in a room, not at all comfortable, for a couple of hours. You know, they were nice enough to give you an, a cup of coffee that was hot, but probably brewed hours and hours ago, no, if you wish. In the morning. <laughs> or water is your other choice. And uh, the first person you see outside from the police officer that led you in the room and sat you in there. They don't restrain you or anything, but you do note that when he leaves the room, the door is locked, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But eventually you hear the sound of the door opening and and in comes your personal lawyer. Well, we'll say his name is Trevor Fitzpatrick. And he is not, he does not play in the leagues of like James Clark, you know, so his suit is a little shabby in need of a dry cleaning, or probably in need of a whole new suit. And uh, you can see that shirt was probably bought a few years before he grew the belly that he's currently sort of has to contend with, you know. Mm-hmm. But he uh, he sits down, he has a briefcase, and he's like, Mr. Monroe, I didn't get many details. What What's going on here? What can you tell me? Well, I probably would have already mentioned, you know, like we'd inherited some stuff and to him just through business dealings uh even though it's only been a few days i probably mentioned something to him 
but uh yeah i'll say that uh that uh meriwether's son was kind of contesting it we went there to see if we could come to an amicable solution and an old business acquaintance from peru was at his house and drew a gun saying that i had stolen something from him that he wanted it back one of the artifacts we'd come from peru um, but the artifact that he had wanted had been stolen while being shipped back to America at some point. I was in the process of telling him that we could work together to find them, and then I kind of blacked out when it looked like he was about to shoot me, and then I just remember flashes of gunfire and and Merriweather and Glover fighting, and then... The next thing I know, I was sitting in the chair, and there were two bodies in the in the room. Uh, well, uh, this is a bit of a different problem than I'm used to dealing with, Mr. Yes, yes, Monroe. I, I have great faith in you, which is why you've been my lawyer for many years. <laughs> you've never steered me wrong, and I believe you. Only and also, pay me in you flyers. can afford my weight, my rates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, I, from what you describe, I don't. S- I mean, I have a lot of follow-on questions about how you're involved with uh, artifact smuggling, or or are you? Is there an artifact that this guy was looking for? Is he well, mistaken? yes, there, there was an artifact that uh, was supposed to come back with the rest of the pieces that are now in my collection. Hmm. Um, there were actually quite a few artifacts that were stolen on the way back, but there seemed to be one in particular that he was very upset about. Were we smuggling artifacts back, or was it above board for the U.S. side? Yeah, I think you got them in legally. There wasn't too much problem. It was just that one that was... Uh, yeah, and I think yeah. Whitmire took uh, illegal means from that, so yeah. Right, yeah. I was just keying on the phrasing that Monroe was using. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, I like that stick to uh, that, that blackout you don't recall. If you're not sure about something, better to err on the side of caution and... Just say you don't remember, you know, like try not to give vague answers. If what you recall is vague, then mm-hmm. just be like, you can't clearly just say you can't clearly recall what happened. Okay. All when right. it comes to that, if you, if you're clear on it, everything you've told me, I think you're okay to talk to him about. See my boy, you're doing wonderfully. <laughs> this is wonderful advice. Thank you. Well, this is the easy part. Now it actually has to, to go into effect, which, um, and he kind of pulls at his collar, you know, he's, <laughs> he's sweating and it's not really hot in the room, at least not hot than normal for August, which it is hot, but yeah, he's yeah. really sweating there. But uh, yeah, so you're left with him and he kind of goes over it again and again with you and sees if there's anything that kind of comes out weird to him. Okay. Um, can I do any kind of skill checks to kind of bolster his confidence as persuade to encourage yeah, yeah something like that yeah charm to give him false courage so yeah i'll do a persuade and try and persuade him that he's a much better lawyer than he really is so, mm. yeah <laughs> like gift a gab yep so yeah every time he gives me a piece of of advice i'll you know i'll, I'll praise him and say i i wouldn't have thought of that myself i right you know, that's the type of thing they don't teach in law school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pure talent right there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'll be talking him up the whole time. Yeah. And you have like some an- anecdotes to draw on about really minor legal problems that he solved for you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you remember when, you know, you. This is like the that time, for me. It's that just time like I that. got it for like 
defacing public property, putting up my flyers, and you came in and got that fine. (laughs) (laughs) And you have some sayings of, like, ancient peoples that are pertinent to it, sort of affirming sayings, you know? Yeah. Something about how how much of reality is just a mind game, you know, but in, in a little bit more occult bent on it, you know, it's just, it's like mind over matter. Right. It seems bigger, same problem though. Right. Just keep it there. Right. But all in that flowery Monroe ability, but yeah, you have him feeling much better and he stops sweating so profusely, (laughs) but eventually detective bell comes in with another police officer that you haven't seen yet. And they, sit down across from you and, uh, you know, start questioning you. The other guy is the one who starts doing most of the questions initially. And uh, he says that, I just had it. Oh, he says his name's Detective Kennedy. Okay. So Does Monroe recognize a similar look in Bell's, like, <laughs> stature? Like the uh, scrutinizing type look that yeah. he might have seen? Yeah, Kennedy, uh, <laughs> Detective Kennedy looks bored. Like he's filing paperwork right now so he's kind of answering questions you've already answered a couple times both to bell and your lawyer bell on the other hand is giving you a pretty piercing look just chewing on that toothpick of his you know and um at some point bell's he's like kennedy why don't you uh why don't you go get those papers i was talking about and uh i'll take it from here you know and so kennedy gets up he kind of gives you a sideways glance and and then Bell, you're just left in the room with Bell and your lawyer, right? And he asks you, where were you on the night of June 20th? June 20th. Yeah, your lawyer actually interjects at that point, and he's like, June 20th, what bearing does that have on on this? So, you know, I'll have been going into the kind of that pensive, June 20th, what was it? <laughs> well, you can I roll an intelligence roll June for me. June 20th. Uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, so you, I mean, the, just the date back kind of throws you and you're drawing a blank for a minute, but then when you think about it, you're like, oh, okay, that really brings it into stark relief because that was the day after you survived the attack from the dimensional shambler. Okay. So you're once you realize that, you're like, oh, yeah, so it's a close call. So you, everything was kind of vibrant for a little bit after that day because that thing held you in its grip and yeah. somehow you wriggled out. But yeah, you're trying to figure out like how that, so you were deeply embroiled in all this investigation and you were dealing with the consortium. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were trying to figure out how to stop something from hunting you and the rest of your, your co-investigators, but you're trying to figure out like what else happened that day. You know, earlier that day before the attack, you and Whitmire had uh, restored (laughs) Corbett (laughs) to the house and you're you know all these things that are not normal you're like how could this detective does he know about corbett or something like that (laughs) but he doesn't illuminate anything else he just asks what you were doing that day but yeah i'll kind of take heed of my lawyer's prompting and i'd have to check you know some of my journal writings but uh i'm i'm afraid i can't remember off the top of my head oh well that's fine it uh yes well why do you ask? Oh, no reason. <laughs> I just had a curiosity, you know, that it fits in with another case. But, you know, if I believe at that time uh, we were trying to help exonerate the young Dooley boy from the false accusations against him for murdering his uncle. Right. 
Yeah. Yes. A wonderful young man, by the way. He's been helping <laughs> uh, Dr. Andrews uh, quite a bit. I'm, the lawyer I'm sure he is. Uh, and Dr. Andrews, uh, who's that? <laughs> oh, he's a... Uh... <laughs> Does his lawyer interject? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't... He says, I don't... If we're not going to talk about what happened, Detective Bell, then I think you should release my client. It's been a long day. He clearly needs some rest. Look at his face. <laughs> it's a long face. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of clam up at that point. As much as Monroe can. Yeah. But Detective Bell, he's met Andrews, right? Like he Bell's uh, a part of the... No, no, he's silver, not. Or the... He's not that's a part of the... That's Detective Nichols. Oh, that's Nichols. That's right. And Terry as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, Terry's part of it. Yeah. yeah, but not Bell. You get. So he did meet. He did meet. Doc, he did now? meet Doctor Andrews when you guys came across the body, right? Okay. It was very brief, right? And he just got your yeah. statements, and you went on your way. But he's like, so how do you? Like, yeah, who's that? How do you know him? They, yeah, we're part of an organization together, the Order of the Hermetic Silver Twilight. Okay. I know I probably butchered that. A prestigious. Gathering fraternity. Uh, yeah, it's just a gathering of uh, like-minded men that uh, networking and all that. And were you and Dr. Andrews together on the 20th of June? Um, I want to play as lawyer. <laughs> yeah, Go ahead. Um, <laughs> don't answer that. This has nothing to do with the current case that uh, you're supposed to be questioning my client about, which I might remind you is he is taking his uh, Fourth Amendment right Uh <laughs> Fifth? I can't remember. Plead the fifth, yeah. Uh, he, to remain silent as of right now. Do you, do you believe I I was involved in some crime? <laughs> <laughs> Monroe, please, don't answer any more questions. Don't ask any more. Ah, come on, let him talk. He has a lot to say, clearly. No, he <laughs> has just been through a traumatic experience. Fine, fine. Um, I fine. request that you release him. Fine. I'll kind of... Put my hand like <laughs> on his shoulder. <laughs> am, am I under arrest? Now I get the uh, I, I get the nature of your relationship with uh, Mister Merriweather. As I understand it, you were set to inherit some property from that family, and there was contention over that. Um, you are going to have to stop this line of questioning. Any of your questions? I just need to know how he knows the victim in this case. I think that's pertinent, lawyer. I have every right to ask that question. And I'm not going to let you guys go until I get those Allow answers. Allow me a moment to confer with my client. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll kind of lean over. How do you know, Mr. Merriweather? Well, like I've mentioned in all of the statements that I put forward. Ask him how he knows Larkin, too. <laughs> um, Mr. Merriweather had left a piece of property to, you know, several of us that are part of this Order of the Silver Twilight. And his son had contested it. And so we were attempting to speak to him about him contesting it to see if there was a way of amicably uh, coming to some sort of conclusion without having to involve legal matters or anything along those lines. Darn, right, just give the base answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's that? Actually, my client received a piece of property, a small parcel of land from uh, the deceased father, and uh, they had come into conflict. He was contesting it, and so my client along with uh, Detective Glover, went down there to see if they could come to a uh, amicable uh, solution to the grievances. 
And how did you get connected with Detective Glover? Is that okay? No. <laughs> we gave you your answer. And I now again say that if you are not arresting my client, that he demands release. Oh, for crying out loud. How do you expect this to work? I got to be able to ask him questions. I can hold him a while longer yet. You know that. Were you just going to sit here and look at each other? Are we going to play tic-tac-toe? What do you want to do? <laughs> uh, we all got places to be. Just spit it out, Monroe. Let your client talk. <laughs> I, I've given my statement several times. I don't understand why. Yeah, that's a good point. He has given his statement. Yeah, you're right. A statement about what happened. I need to know how it's all connected. What were you and Detective Glover doing there? Did you maybe, were you, were you angry at Meriwether for contesting this inheritance and you went to solve the issue, you know, a different way than in the courts? No. Uh, like I had mentioned several times, we were going there to see if there was a way of amicably, you know, finding a way or, to resolve any issues that he had with the, us inheriting this property. It, you know, I thought maybe that he had spent summers there as a child or that he had uh, some sort of, you know, knickknacks or that there was some sort of emotional attachment out there that perhaps we could let him take from the property. Uh, we we didn't expect to inherit this. And and so we were hoping that, you know, we could find a way where he could get what he wants and it would resolve the problem there. Are you happy? I, question answered. He's starting to say something else. You can see he's not happy, but the uh, door to the conf or the interview room opens and Sergeant Logan Terry sticks his head in and he says, wrap it up, Bell. Let him go. I got to talk to you. And Bell is very disappointed. It's like, fine. Have a good day, Mr. Monroe. Thank you for your cooperation. I will try to get Monroe out of there before he even has a chance to say goodbye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> got to get him out on the street, away from this uh, very dangerous detective. Not that I believe my client to be guilty, <laughs> but just Monroe's pension for, for the gift of gab. But I'm going to, like, as he's, like, hustling me out, I'll be trying to shake <laughs> Detective Bell's <laughs> hand. You know, like, reaching out to, to shake his hand. and Yeah, and I'll yeah. be... Uh, but he, your lawyer has some weight on you because you're pretty thin, right? So he's pulling you away and you're kind of thrown off balance. So that's whether you fight against that or just follow his very physically direct. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be, you know, kind of that half-hearted... You know, as I'm being pulled away, still trying to... <laughs> and I think I'll try to override anything that he might want to say yeah. with a string of goodbye pleasantries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you guys are... He's hustling you out there. So you pass Tara. He doesn't say anything to you, but he does give you, like, a pointed look, you know. Give me a psychology roll. <laughs> Sorry if I stepped on your toes, Justin. No, you're good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so he can. You can see it's a, it's a curious combination. It, it's like he's kind of like alarmed. Like, what are you doing here? You know, don't don't represent us in a bad way. You know, but also at the same time, it's kind of like I pulled you out of that one, right? So get scarce. You know that kind of look. So yeah. <laughs> next and, next time, I want Brandon or John to be the lawyer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'll kind of give him a nod and say, officer. All right, Sergeant. <laughs> so what are your plans from that point? Yeah, I'll confer with my lawyer and uh, yeah, then just head back to my, my home. Your home. And when you get there, Anita does pass on that message. She says Detective Glover came by. Uh, he was looking for you or Dr. Andrews. He, uh, I was technically looking for 
Well, I guess it's her memory. So yeah. I was looking yeah. for Whitmire Andrews. Oh, was it Whitmire? Yeah. yeah. And uh, he asked to look through your messages. I didn't think there was any harm in it because, you know, him being a police officer and all. Uh, he took one, uh, and he, I know what it said. It just was uh, from Whitmire. Whitmire said he had to leave town for a few days. He'd be back by the end of the week. Hmm. But then... Uh, it's not unusual for him, but... Uh, then he left. Thank you, Anita. Yes, as far as I can tell, Detective Glover is welcome here, and he didn't do anything wrong, if you're worried about that. He said you were at the police station. What happened? Oh, there was a... Misunderstanding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, a, an argument that turned violent that I needed to give a statement on that I was witness to. So she seems horrified in a completely artificial way. The real thing is that she wants to know more. She's yeah, like, gossip. <laughs> she's like, violent. I hope yes. nobody was hurt too badly. Oh, yes. And unfortunately, two men died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who were, who could those two men have been? <laughs> but yeah, it, when I say it, I'll, I'll go quiet. Okay. In like a non Monroe way. Yeah. She, that's, that's so shocking to her that she uh, she says, well, I, I think I'll go home for the night if you don't need anything else. Thank you, Anita. Uh, <laughs> thank you. All right. And she leaves, and then you go to sleep. Is that what you're going to do? Or lay there with your mind racing? Racing with power. <laughs> <laughs> Unlimited Actually, power of the Black Pharaoh. No, I'll be, uh, I, I will be kind of drawn to, to the Divermus. Mysterious and uh, with with the images of the original bargain that was struck, yeah, with those, yeah, start and some of the other like things that have been kind of popping up in in his head as as like that was going on. Start looking for ways of protecting myself against both like father taking over again, um, as well as protecting um, like there were things that were mentioned about having a watcher that protects against other spirits and stuff like yeah, that. So right. yeah, I'll, I'll uh, like that kind of thing, like finding a way to protect myself and protect us. Yes. will be something I'll be looking into. Well, highlighted in the information uh, discovered through that new lens, you're looking at it. You see, cause you had the Widner copy. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had the Libra Ivanis Widner copy. And then I had the bloodstained copy of the Divermis. All right, so as far as protections that you're, when it comes to this specific thing, you're just drawn to, again, to that pentagram that is included uh, nearby, the one that you or Andrew's described being on the floor of that college student, you know? Yeah. That uh, in your version, as long as it says you stand outside the circle or you don't enter the innermost part of it, then the entity can't harm you directly. Okay. Hmm. And that's in your copy, but it it doesn't speak of any any particular ward against that entity. Okay. Uh, other than uh, that circle, so. Also, uh, from Merriweather's own journal, he mentioned that he had been designated the watcher who guards for malevolent spirits, and so yeah. looking for that portion of of the ritual as well. Yeah, unfortunately, in both cases, they're not very clear what the spirits are okay but you can there you don't see on rereading it again that meriwether speaks of taking any special precaution as to how he kept those spirits away or what wasn't entailed and that that wasn't 
made up the bulk of his entry. And then when you read the story, the story appears to have been uh, corrupted based off of your memory of Mm -hmm. what the Black Pharaoh had. It was a more purposeful contact with the entity. Yeah. Whereas the story makes it seem like it was almost accidental. Yeah. You know? But yeah, look for any kind of protection spells or anything yeah. like that. Start looking for that. Yeah. So yeah, you spend your night doing that before, you know, finally exhaustion takes you, puts you to sleep or not, or you spend all night if you'd like, if you'd prefer. Yeah. He's going to have a hard time shaking what had happened at Meriwether. So actually everything that had happened at Meriwether's <laughs> and like the fake dream back in Peru and all that is, it's going to be. So yeah, he's probably not going to sleep tonight. All right, so before we close off today's session, we'll just check in with Wintmeyer in the morning one more time, uh, see what kind of response he gets from his crew. So the way we'll handle that, Wintmeyer, is we'll see if your credit rating uh, is great enough to actually have that much of a, that many guys that can come down and do that kind of work for you. So if you want to pass a credit rating rule for me. Okay. Extreme mm. success. Oh. <laughs> they got a lot of They sent extras. Or do they upgrade their weaponry? <laughs> For the extreme one? No, you just you have a telegram waiting there in the morning, and it and it just says the boys are on the way, boss. All right, and so I'll uh, stay in a, this hotel as one more night until they get there. Yeah. All right, and that's where we'll leave off today's session. Thanks for playing, guys. Uh, I'll see you all next time. All right. Thanks, Thank you, guys. man. So, what's the odds the this scenario ends in some sort of pitched gun battle in Boston and not dealing with the otherworldly This has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.